Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You. And today we're going to continue our discussion about the High Holy Days. Our last time together, we talked about Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. And we're right now just completing the Feast of Trumpets, which was September 25 through 27, 2022. And we're in the 10 days of awe right now between Trumpets and Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, uh, begins on October 4 through 5. And then Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, is October 9 through 16, 2022. So today I want to talk about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And before I do, I want to share a word and a prayer for parents that are listening today. And I have a word about the Feast of Trumpets. And interestingly, uh, Trumpet, you know, when you think of the Feast of Trumpet, you're not thinking of like a brass band coronet type trumpet you would see in a in a brass band today. It's it's really a ram's horn. And you've heard of uh, the shofar, the ram's horn. And so the Hebrew word for ram's horn is shofar. And so today, um, this week in the reading of the synagogue around the world in the Feast of Trumpets, is Genesis chapter 22. Now, why would uh, the Jewish people in the synagogues read Genesis 22? Because it's the first mention of the ram's horn. And God says to Abraham, and he's taking his son up the mountain to sacrifice his son. God says, take your son, your only son, whom thou lovest. And interestingly, the first mention of the word love is in Genesis 22, and it's the love of a parent for a child. And so Abraham takes his son, his only son, the son in whom he loves. He lays him upon the altar. Remember, Isaac says the fire and the wood are here, but where is the ram for the the burnt offering? And Abraham takes a knife, and he's going to sacrifice his son, Because God tells him, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, the one that you love. And God was testing Abraham's willingness to follow him and obey him. And so he raises the knife and the angel of the Lord says, don't lay a hand on the boy. And right at that moment, there's a ram caught in a thicket. And what entraps the ram in the thicket is his horn. And so from that time forward, the the Jewish people, the the ram's horn signifies uh, deliverance. And so I want to say today that 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 blowing of the ram's horn, that first horn caught in the thicket is a symbol of the deliverance of a child that is loved by a parent. And so I know we're going to talk about Yom Kippur today, but I just had this burden to pray for parents today that that may have a a child, a son or a daughter, maybe even a grandchild that needs deliverance, maybe deliverance from drugs, maybe they're away from God, maybe they need salvation, maybe they need restoration, uh, liberty and freedom in their life. And at uh, the Feast of Trumpets, we blow the shofar signifying that we're 
uh, setting captives free. We're confusing the, the adversary of our souls. And, and the shofar was blown, blown in Israel's history. Signified warfare, spiritual warfare. And so today I'm going to blow the trumpet of my, my voice, my prayer uh, over your children. So Lord, today as we're in these 10 days of awe, We've come through the Feast of Trumpets. I pray for every parent that's listening today that perhaps has a child that needs deliverance from drugs or alcohol, or maybe they're in depression, or maybe they're away from God. And I know the love a parent has for a child. And this word love, the first time used in the Bible, signifying Abraham's love for a son. And I thank you, Lord, for every child. And we pray today. God, for their deliverance, that you would set them free from whatever it is that is binding them. And we, we ask and we blow the trumpet over them today, asking for their liberty and their deliverance. We ask this in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Messiah. And everybody said, Amen. So that's a word for every parent today. And it's just, I was, yesterday, I was just thinking about the Feast of Trumpets and how significant Genesis chapter 22 is. And I believe the Lord gave me that word for you. So we're going to look today at the, the Feast of Yom Kippur. And we're going to read a passage from the New Testament. And it's Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him. I do not say to you as seven times, but 70 uh, times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, all that he had and payment to be made. So Jesus is telling this parable of the unmerciful servant. He and his wife and his family, his children, they're to be sold into a debtor's prison. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you who have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will... Do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so you might be asking, what does Matthew 18 have to do with the feast of, of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement? We're going to look at that in just a second. But uh, Yom Kippur, uh, Kippur in Hebrew means to cover. And so the Day of Atonement really speaks of covering. 
and covering of sin. And Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your sins. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. And so the high priest on the day of atonement, he would sprinkle the blood of, of the bull on the Ark of the Covenant. And then he would take a scapegoat and he would lay his hands on the scapegoat. And he would pronounce that that scapegoat would receive all the sin of Israel on this day, the, the day of atonement. And then they would lead the, the scapegoat into the wilderness. And, and so really in the day of atonement, it, it's speaking of a substitutionary sacrifice. And the priest would lay his hands on that, that scapegoat and lead him out of the city. And so on Yom Kippur, the day is spent in fasting and prayer. And Yom Kippur completes these 10 days of awe between the Feast of uh, Trumpets and Yom Kippur, these 10 days, which the Jewish people and hopefully Christians around the world, they want to be in right relationship with God. The atonement, you can say it this way, at one-ment. They want to be at one-ment with God. And so right now in our calendar, we're really actually in these 10 days of awe. And the Mishnah teaches that during the 10 days of awe, a person must reconcile relationship with both God and others. And a person was not prepared to seek divine mercy during the great feast on the Day of Atonement if he or she had not first sought reconciliation with his or her neighbor. And it was necessary to forgive one another on a personal level so that as to approach God without a bitter heart. And so mercy from above depended upon showing mercy to those below. And according to Judaism, the Day of Atonement does not cover a sin between one person and his neighbor unless the sin has been appeased by the offender or forgiven by the victim. And the Mishnah teaches in Yama 8 verse 9, sins between one man and his friend, Yom Kippur does not atone for until one appeases his friend. So Yom Kippur is a day of reconciliation between people and God. And there are two types of commandments found in the Torah. There are those between us and God, and there are those commandments that deal with our civil duty to be in right relationship with others. And Rabbi Baribi said, He who is merciful to others will have mercy shown to him by heaven. He who is not merciful to others will have mercy, not have mercy shown to him by heaven. And so this is the concept of imitation day, which speaks of, in Jewish thought, uh, imitating the character of God. So imitation day demanded that genuine mercy be granted by one person to another in the same way that God himself gives grace to the sinner. So the issue of first reconciling with a person before reconciling with God was a pervasive, pervasive teaching in ancient Judaism. Rabbi Ben Surah, in a discussion about prayer and healing, said, Forgive your neighbor the wrong he has done, and then your sins will be forgiven when you pray. Does a person harbor anger against another and yet seek for healing from the Lord? Does he have not mercy toward a man like himself and yet pray for his own sins? If he himself, being flesh, maintains wrath, who will make expiation for his sins? Remember the end of your life 
and cease from enmity towards your neighbor. So what is the connection between Yom Kippur and this parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18? And interestingly, remember Peter's question as we opened up in verse 21 of Matthew 18. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And of course, you remember the answer from Jesus. No, 70 times, seven times. So though the gospel of Matthew does not mention the time of year that Jesus teaches this parable, the question by Peter was a typical question during the 10 days of awe that you and I are experiencing right now between the Feast of Trumpets and Yom Kippur. And Bible scholars say that quite likely the parable that Jesus taught in Matthew 18 and the question that Peter asked was during the 10 days of awe between trumpets and Yom Kippur. And Peter was talking about interpersonal reconciliation. I mean, how often should I forgive my brother? Someone once said to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. And another person said, forgiveness is the fragrance the rose sheds on the heel that crushes it. So when we approach Yom Kippur during these 10 days of awe, we must be reconciled with others before we reconcile with God. And however, this concept of imitation day, that we want to imitate the character of God, that he as a loving father forgives us, and so we should imitate that character and forgive those <clears throat> that sin against us. And interestingly, this whole concept of imitating that character of God is an entire Bible teaching. Jesus taught that our relationship with others is a prerequisite for approaching God. And human forgiveness is crucial for divine mercy. And you can find it right here in the parable of the unforgiving servant. And again, most likely, this parable was taught during the 10 days of awe right before Yom Kippur. And the parable is about settling accounts. And the unmerciful servant, he had a debt that he could not pay. And his master said, all right, because you can't pay it, I'm going to take you and your wife and your children and send you to debtor's prison. And in verse 26, the unmerciful servant pleaded and said, give me some time, I will pay this debt. And so for Jesus' listeners, that was a hilarious statement by the unmerciful servant. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you why this statement by this servant was so funny to the listeners of Jesus. And I'll give you a hint, it's a debt he could not pay if he lived a thousand lifetimes. We'll see you right after the break. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, and I'm honored to serve as president of Israel Team Advocates International. Israel Team is a unique nonprofit organization that is changing the growing narrative within the Christian world that the Jewish people are illegally occupying the land of Israel. The truth is that God, the God of the Bible, identifies himself as the God of Israel, and Jerusalem is his footstool. God has given this land to the Jewish people as an eternal 
possession. Within the evangelical communities, millennial generation and Generation Z, there is an alarming decline of support for Israel. Presently, about 70% of young evangelicals are unsure of Israel's right of their very existence. If this trend continues, we are going to see a majority anti-Israel evangelical movement within 10 years. Imagine future Christian leaders in America calling for the removal of Jews from the Holy Land. Israel team cares deeply about the future of American Christianity and is investing in the young Christian leaders of tomorrow. We work on Christian college campuses and church youth and college groups to make a difference for Israel and the church as well. We mentor pastors and church leaders and counteract the growing trend of replacement theology being proclaimed from churches across America. I'm asking you today to help us in this noble cause. We can change the current trend of anti-Israelism, one church and one college campus at a time. You can go to our website at israelteam.org to donate today and stand with us today. We ask you that you consider giving to Israel Team on a monthly basis. In the present exponential rise of anti-Semitism in America, our efforts must double to push back against this darkness. For your gift this month to Israel Team, we want to send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti- anti-Semitism and what can be done to stop it. Go to israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back. And we're talking about this very, very hilarious statement that the unmerciful servant made in uh, verse 26 of Matthew 18. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. How much did he owe? He owed 10,000 talents. And so why was that so funny uh, to the listeners of this parable that that Jesus was teaching? Well, it was a grave situation. He owed 10,000 talents. How much is that worth in American dollars? Just to give you an idea, $3.48 billion. So if this servant who's pleading, give me some time, I'll pay you back. If this servant worked every day for 200,000 years, he still would not have been able to pay back this debt. And so in debtor's jail, he would be separated from his uh, family, from his friends. So he didn't want his entire family to go into debtor's prison. So he falls down and he begs, please forgive me this incredible debt of $3.48 billion. And the the master in the parable said, you know what? I'm going to forgive you. I release you from this outstanding debt of $3.48 billion. And that's a picture of our own salvation uh, from God the Father, that he forgives us our sin. It's a debt we could not pay. There's no one that can pay the debt of sin. And so this this servant really is a picture of those of us. We've all been cleansed from sin. But this servant, he had a fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. 
And it was one six hundred thousandths the debt that he had been forgiven. How much did he owe? About uh, three months' wages. A hundred denarii would one denarii is about one day's wage. So two and a half, three months of of work. This servant would be able to pay back the unmerciful servant the debt that he owed. But the unmerciful servant, he takes him by the throat, and he begins to choke him, saying, "Pay me what you owe me." And he turned him over to uh, the jailers. It was a minor debt. And he was thrown into debtor's prison, the same prison the unmerciful servant was heading towards, of a debt that would be completely impossible for him to uh, repay. So the master's furious, and he says, turn this unmerciful servant over to the torturers. And the Greek word here for torture is has an estesos, which simply means extreme pain and torture. And he turned him over to the torturers. Why was he so strict? Because he said, if you can't forgive the sins of, that others have for, committed against you, and if they can't experience release from you, you'll never be able to receive God's grace. And that's what Jesus says at the end of the parable. And so we place ourselves in the hands of the tortures. And I really believe Jesus was speaking of demonic forces, that when we cannot forgive people that have sinned against us and harmed us and hurt us, we're turned over to demonic torture in our life. And we, we enter into a lifetime of pain and misery. And you might say, well, Aaron, that's just a parable. Maybe that's not the, the right interpretation. Jesus probably wouldn't have been that strict. And so you might say, well, give me a proof text. There's got to be two or three witnesses that, that, that proclaim that if, that if I don't forgive others, that I'm not going to experience the forgiveness of God. Surely Jesus could not be teaching this. And the actuality is, yes, he did. If we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven. You might say, well, surely this is an Old Testament teaching. Uh, we're under grace. We're not under, we're not under law. But Jesus doesn't overlook our bitterness and unforgiveness, and we really don't have to reconcile with others. Before we reconcile with God, we might say that. I don't have to do that. I don't have to reconcile with others. But Jesus doesn't overlook that unforgiveness in our lives. And Yom Kippur, you might say, well, that's a Jewish thing. These 10 days of awe, that's a Jewish thing. I, I don't need to comply with these commandments of the Lord. But Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You want to obtain mercy? Be merciful to others. Matthew 6, 9 through 15 says, forgive us our sins so that uh, and we forgive those that sin against us. For if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses, Jesus said. And then in John 20, Verse 21 through 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And then a beautiful scripture in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also 
love his brother. And so this is a rich teaching of Jesus. It's not just an Old Testament teaching. It's an entire Bible teaching that if we don't walk in forgiveness of those who have sinned against us, we cannot experience God's forgiveness in our own lives. There's a wonderful story of Walter Rathenen. Uh, Walter was a, a German Jewish foreign minister in 1922. And Ernest Werner Taco is one of Germans' right wing terrorists. And he was a political anti Semite. And he uh, murdered Walter. Um, and the victim's mother, Matilda Rathenu, she wrote a letter to Takao's mother three days later after Takao's son murdered Walter. And here's what she said. In grief unspeakable, I give you my hand. You of all women most pitiable, say to your son that in the name and the spirit of him he has murdered, I forgive even as God may forgive. See, she was practicing imitation days. God forgives, I forgive. It's a Jewish principle uh, all through the Bible, Old and New Testament. If before an earthly judge your son makes a full and frank confession of his guilt and before a heavenly judge repents, had he known my son, the noblest man earth bore, he would have rather turned the weapon on himself. May these words give peace to your soul, Mathilda Rathenau. And after five years, um, Mathilda's, uh, the man that killed Mathilda's, uh, Rathenau's son, he was released from prison on good behavior after five years. And this man, over the next years of his life, uh, Ernest Takau, over the next years of his life, 13 years later, 1940, when France surrendered to Nazi Germany, Takau smuggled himself into France. And he helped over 700,000, I'm sorry, 700 Jews escape to Spain with Moroccan permits. He confided to a nephew of Rathenau that his repentance and transformation had come from the letter of Mathilda Rathenau. Just as Frau Rathenau conquered herself when she wrote that letter of pardon, I have tried to master myself. I only wished I would get an opportunity to right the wrong I've done. And so during this time of Yom Kippur, as we are in these 10 days of awe, it'd be a very, very good time for you to look at your relationship with your, your friends, your family, is there someone that you're holding um, a sin against? Have, has someone betrayed you or hurt you, <clears throat> caused pain in your life? And as a result, you have unforgiveness. And remember, you have been forgiven a, a debt that you have not been able to pay. So it's so important during these 10 days of awe that you would bow the knee and say, Lord, I want to forgive uh, my friend, my, my family member, and then go to that person. And remember, you know, Jesus says, if you come to the altar, leave your gift at the altar and first go reconcile with your brother before you come to want to be in right relationship with God. And remember, uh, atonement, we can say it this way, at one And so f- for me to be at one with God, I've got to be in right relationship 
with those around me, and especially with people that have hurt me, betrayed me, and harmed me. So during the season of the High Holy Days, let's take some time and, and examine our lives. If there might be anything in us, any bitterness, any root of bitterness that goes down into the soul, and that word offense in the Bible is, is translated scandalizon, which describes the, the jaws of a trap. And the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing can offend them. So if I really love God, then I can't hold offense towards those that have harmed me. I'm free from it. And so I'm going to pray, Lord, release my friend today from the jaws of a scandal, the jaws of a trap that's trapping them in offense, and deliver them, I pray, during these high holy days. Amen.